the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is presented by The Athletic. For sports fans, there's no better place to get breaking news, real time commentary, and powerful stories than The Athletic. With comprehensive coverage and insightful analysis built around your teams, The Athletic delivers everything you need on every sports story that matters. Download the app, follow your favorite teams and leagues, and get a personalized feed of exclusive ad free content. For access to all the stories at the heart of the game, visit theathletic.com slash spottrack, S-P-O-T-R-A-C, and get 40% off your first year subscription today. My name is Mike Gennetti. Happy Monday morning. Happy NFL Championship Week. We're down to the Final Four. It's a good Final Four. It's a stacked Final Four. We'll talk a little bit about that with Scott Allen, including the losers from this past weekend and what that means for them this offseason, the legacy of Drew Brees, and switch gears a little bit to basketball and talk about James Harden's first weekend with the Brooklyn Nets and what that might mean for this week as well. It's a big week for Brooklyn. But first, (laughs) it's baseball season, sort of. We're about a month away from pitchers and catchers getting to most of these training camps. It sounds like that's going to be happening on time. I would imagine, you know, the Floridas and the Arizonas of the world, though they do have COVID cases, the outdoor events should be fairly doable. And I'm projecting with optimism, of course, but um, I'm going to assume that everything's going to be on track here. It was a big weekend-ish Friday for baseball. Arbitration filings needed to be in by Friday. So you had dozens of players avoid arbitration. Um, every, all but 13, honestly, who are eligible. And uh, I'm going to go through that list of 13 quickly here in a bit. And then also you had the international signing period open, which is generally like July 2nd. But because of the weird offseason we had, of course, the season, everything got pushed back. So uh, last Friday was the international signing period for Major League Baseball, the start of that. And we did have quite a few bit. Uh, you know, we, we were tracking that on the site. If you go to ML, if the spytrack.com slash MLB slash international, that's where we're tracking all those signings. And there's quite a few. I mean, many of these teams really loaded up. The largest bonus went to Pedro Leon from Cuba, an outfielder from Cuba to the Astros at $4 million. That's the highest reported bonus. Uh, the Nationals brought in a shortstop at just under $4 million, Armando Cruz. And uh, the list goes down from there. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a big list. Look, a lot of <laughs> Dominican shortstops and Venezuelan pitchers. And you, you know, you've kind of seen this story before. But if you're into that stuff, if you're one of those eight to nine people out there that <laughs> dive deep in international prospects, we, we are tracking that on the site. And I'm trying to look at, locate as many of those signing bonuses as possible to make sure that they factor into not the actual annual payrolls, but just the team, you know, the team financials as a whole. And uh, certainly as those players turn into actual MLB ready players, these initial bonuses impact their career earnings. So we're trying to make sure we have all those dots connected and we are tracking that right now on spot track. Also, we do have an arbitration tracker, by the way. So players that did avoid players that are going to settle here in the next couple of days, we're tracking that on an annual basis as well. So here's what we're dealing with in terms of didn't avoid arbitration. 13 players, most of them pretty prominent. Um, A couple of names there that may surprise you like Austin Barnes from the Dodgers, <laughs> um, who is having a half a million dollar battle right now. He asked for 2 million. The Dodgers requ- you know, requested 1.5 million. Can we just give him 175 and get out of here? I mean, that it, honestly, none of these gaps of these 13 players are big enough for me to sit, to, to sit here and say, what are we doing? I mean, what are we doing? What are we doing? Uh, 
Carlos Correa is probably the most prominent name in this list, and he's got the highest ask. He's asking 12 and a half out of Houston in the final year for him. Houston wants to give him less than 10. You know, he's going to make more than 10. I've got him projected at about 10, 10 and a half on the site. That's probably where this gets to. Although, if you want to pay him 12 million, do it. It's a superstar. And they're losing George Springer. And, you know, who knows with Verlander. And I don't know what kind of team that they're going to have. So, make this guy happy. You might have to resign him, to be perfectly honest. You may have to. Um, shortstops as a whole is a really interesting conversation. I think we'll probably have to circle back to that at some point. Speaking of which, Dansby Swanson with the Braves, another one of these 13 players who's going to court filings with their arbitration. He's asking 6-7. The Braves want to pay him 6. Again, let's just settle, right? 6-5, somewhere in the middle. Let's just get this done. I don't know why this has to drag out. Um, Ian Happ, interesting name with the Cubs who are going backwards. I mean, they're kind of really cutting ties here in terms of the front office and the, and the roster. You know, they, they, they're probably going to settle somewhere around $4 million. Jack Flaherty, one of the aces in St. Louis, again, probably three and a half to $4 million-ish. J.D. Davis is an interesting name with the Mets who have really done a lot of work this year, and I don't think they're done. There's, pro- there's at least some sort of outfielder coming whether that's a Jackie Bradley Jr. or bigger into the Springer conversation, which is going to cost them $20 million plus a year. My point is, I'm not sure J.D. Davis is long for the Mets, and I think he knows it. I think he's probably one of those pieces that gets moved in the next couple of weeks, and he wants the max out. You know, He wants the, the good times he's had with the Mets here in terms of production to be accounted for from his salary. He's asking about almost 2-5 and the Mets want to do about 2-1 on him. So it's... Uh, I get it. And the Mets want to keep that salary low because it's obviously more tradable. So, you know, is there a compromise? Can you get him at like 2-2 and then flip him to a team that needs him, maybe like a Cleveland or something like that who's looking for outfield slash third base? Uh, I see. I could see that happening. So I understand that little, that conflict. And then how about two players from the Rays who have absolutely no payroll, who shed Blake Snell this offseason? Yeah, G-Man Choi, crazy good power year and, and production across the board. He's asking 2-4-5. The Rays want to go one eight five. I mean, the Rays are going to low ball <laughs> every step of the way here. But uh, he had a year, and I get it. I get that one. You, you got to go out and get your money there. And then uh, Ryan Yarbrough. Similar, just kind of had a year. You know, he was a, essentially the opener and he, he was asked to finish a bunch of games. He's asking over three, and the Rays want to give him just over two. So that's probably one of the bigger gaps we have here. And we'll see if that can compromise down the middle at some point as well. And then Walker Bueller. This one's weird. Uh, I don't know why the Dodgers feel like they have to lowball anybody outside of the fact that it's good business. And, you know, sometimes those rich people are also the best couponers, right? Um, He's asking over four and the Dodgers want to go three, three on him. This thing's got to get to four. He's too, too important of a player for that team. You know, Clayton Kershaw's injury situation is just too fluid and uh, he's going to be a big part of the future. I don't know if you want to tick him off too badly right now. So I imagine this slides more towards his number than not. And the Dodgers just go back into national league contention because he's a, he's a big part of that for sure. Shohei Otani is the last name to mention here. Asking 3-3. Angels want to go 2-5. You know, he's a pitcher slash superstar hitter. I don't know exactly where he falls anymore. Will he continue to pitch? Will he become just a DH? 
you know, the injuries have been a problem as many anticipated they would be. I imagine this is going to slide more in the angel favor. And if it does, and they can save about 500, 600 thou, they better start putting that into more pitching. <laughs> and there's my, you know, every two weeks, angels rant. Uh, they just haven't done enough. They haven't done enough. They have so much power and production in that batting lineup, and they still have not addressed the pitching. And, and by and large, more free agent pitchers and more trade available pitchers keep falling in other places. Carlos Carrasco, Corey Kluber, Lance Lynn, Mike Clevenger. I mean, the names are just kind of rolling along here. Trevor Bauer's not going back there. He's not going to Los Angeles. He clearly has a rift with Mickey Calloway, the pitching coach there now. He's not doing it. And he basically got on YouTube this week and said, I want contenders only. So that's the Yankees. That's the Mets. That's the Blue Jays. That's the Dodgers. Maybe the Padres. You know, there's only probably eight, the Braves, I would definitely put in that conversation. There's only probably eight teams now that are contender worthy enough for Trevor Bauer's services if they want to pay that much. So I don't think the Angels are even in that conversation. Maybe it's an Odorizzi at like 15 million a year. Maybe that's who they can pull in. But something has to happen <laughs> with that rotation, or it's just going to be another wasted year of tons of production from Trout, from Rendon, from Upton, from Pujols to some degree. And you know, a lack of wins in the wind column because they just can't pitch the ball on a consistent basis. So boy, oh boy, if Shohei Otani can't pitch for them on, uh, you know, regularly, then that, that conversation becomes even more dire. So hopefully that's what we see in the next couple of weeks is a big shift of pitching towards Anaheim. I just, I'm not going to count on it till it happens. <laughs> okay. Okay. Keep a track. Free agents, the free agents are going to start to fall here. Once Springer goes and Bauer goes, obviously the, the numbers will start to pile up a little bit. So, and it sounds like Riomoto and Philly are close at a big, big, big contract, hundred million plus. So it should be a little bit more interesting in terms of major league baseball's offseason in the next couple of weeks. We will certainly be all over that as it happens. But for now, uh, let's get to some NFL with Scott Allen. Today's episode is also brought to you by the online betting guide. Do you consider yourself an NBA expert, knowledgeable in stats, trends, plays, and injuries? Prove your skills against other knowledgeable basketball fans in OLBG.com's NBA Pick'em. Enter for free and share your NBA picks to win cash prizes. There's 15 prizes given away every month, totaling $130 in cash prize money. OLBG.com is a sports betting community where expert handicappers share their predictions to compete for top place in the leaderboard, while at the same time helping others make informed betting decisions. Show them what you got. Visit OLBG.com today. OLBG, the online betting guide. Scott, welcome back to the OLBG hotline. Happy Monday. First question is a simple one. Is it possible to lose at DraftKings? Because I can't seem to find a way. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Four straight weeks I've won this group, Scott. Four straight weeks. Uh, Improbable. Yeah, Yeah, I think I... There were, there were a few, like three or four weeks that I was always number two. And then these last four weeks, I've just been atrocious. Yeah, I've been riding the Brady train. I'm going to be full, full disclosure there because uh, I think he's undervalued. Boy, I wish I bet that team a couple of weeks ago when we yeah. talked about it. That, this Bill's Bucks bet is just seething hot right now. I mean, I know they're going to be the underdogs slightly in both of these games next week. That is a juicy matchup, though. And I think it's very, very possible. 
both of their defenses are kind of, hit, uh, you know, come and go. But when they are there, like last night for Tampa Bay, my goodness. And honestly, both teams had, you know, this is the time of year where running and defense matters and it's interior. And Devin White and Tremaine Edmonds for the Bills and Bucks there, the inside linebacking core, they made the difference. <laughs> There's no question they made the difference in both of those matchups. So, you know, you know, it's a different story when you're talking about the NFC side of things in terms of Green Bay and really even in Kansas City, that's more of a secondary situation. But my goodness, uh, where do you want to start? Do you want to start with the winners or the losers here in terms of the NFL? Um, yeah, let's just start with the losers. <laughs> let's go there. <laughs> Get them out of the way now. Um, they, um, go ahead. They, it, you know... One of the major factors, you know, what those losers was turnovers and refereeing refereeing too. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. (laughs) And Twitter is all about killing the refs right now. Um, But, but, you know, uh, up until, you know, that middle fourth quarter or so, you know, the Saints had a chance. Those two turnovers with, with Cook were extremely costly because if they didn't have those turnovers and you know the Bucks didn't turn those into touchdowns, that game was actually more in favor of the Saints as far as you know points wise. Uh, th- th- those interceptions were costly. The fumble was costly, and you know I, I know Drew is like you could see it on his face, like what the heck is going on. Um, and then, you know, with the, um, the bills game that obviously that was one of the biggest interception return for touchdowns in in history. And it's going to go down is everyone telling their kids and grandkids that they watched that happen. Um, so this time of year, like you said, the, the defense running defense has really made those teams have to throw, but subsequently, if you can have a defense that can force turnovers and then can turn those turnovers into those points, you know, that's what makes a team extremely well-rounded, especially in a bills game where the, the kickers that are automatic, you know, as they kept saying with Justin Tucker, he's automatic. He doesn't miss. And he goes and misses those field goals, you know, weather has an impact, but you know, the teams that are extremely well-rounded at this time of year, for the most part, um, especially the teams that are humming right now, you know, that makes a huge, huge difference. There's no question. And I don't think anybody would give the Bucks a chance if not for Leonard Fournette right now. <laughs> uh, it's a big, big positive, which we'll get to when we talk about the winners here. But yeah, you, you're focused on the Ravens. That's a good place to start. <sighs> Boy. Well, let's just start with Lamar. I mean, I hope, first of all, I hope he's okay. That was a nasty headshot to the, to the back yes, of the was. turf. Um, so thoughts are there, but moving immediately to the off season, look, it's going to be about money for a lot of these teams, whether that means cap or that means contract extensions. You know, a lot of these teams have something going for them in that direction. I, I don't think there's a, chance Lamar Jackson gets a contract this offseason, even though the re- the reports are already kind of swirling that those conversations are being had. It, it just doesn't pass the eye test yet, right? I mean, that's not a quarterback that seven minutes left in the fourth quarter, I want to have the ball. 
you know, for three quarters, I get it. The gimmicks, the run game, the explode, you know, the explosiveness. He's a hell of a weapon. And, you know, he can put a, a pounding on certain teams in certain days. But now, to me, it's not an accident that he has slid back in the postseason or had terrible postseasons, however you want to classify it. He's just not built for that. That's not the kind of quarterback that he is. And to be perfectly honest, there are signs of that with Mahomes too. Now, Mahomes is able to sort of flip the switch and turn himself into more of a pocket presence when it matters, certainly last year with the comebacks that he he had you know, to make that Super Bowl run, especially in the Super Bowl. So he is certainly in his own category there. But you understand what I'm saying that when they when they sort of slide more towards this running, scrambling quarterback, whether that's Mahomes or almost exclusively Lamar, it it doesn't pan out in the postseason. That's not the type of game that wins postseason games. So how can you pay that player? Truly, right now, with a cap that's going down, with a roster that, you know, is going to need more love. There's there's three or four. I mean, the free agent list is big. I've been doing a post-loss free agent list for every every losing playoff team. And by far, I had the most names on the Ravens list. Um, whether or not those players are coming back, you know, remains to be seen. But if they want them back, they're going to have to pay is my point. So if you've got a list of players you need to bring back on contracts, I don't know that you can get yourself to... 140 million for Lamar Jackson, whatever it's going to call. It. Let's just say it's the Deshaun Watson contract. That's probably about right. I, I don't know why you would do that to yourself. To me, that's Carson Wentz, Jared Goff territory. Like he, they shown flashes. There's some success there. You know, obviously Wentz helped lead a team to the Super Bowl. <laughs> I can't give him credit for it. And Goff got to the Super Bowl with the Rams. So there's more of a pedigree and more reason to pay those players than there is Lamar. I can't get there. I'm not paying that that player two years early. I'm getting. I'm at least getting to that fifth year option year before I consider it, and it's not even a question for me. So, is it for you? Uh, are you of the mindset that they should try to jump on this market now because it is a down year financially? They can maybe get a bit of a deal on him. You know, if they're paying flat, if the Watson deal is the credible bar, because Mahomes' bar is just <laughs> sort of an anomaly, right? So if the Mahats, if if the Mahomes forty million mark is essentially where it is, you know when TV money comes in, when Allen signs, when blah 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 happens, you know that bar might be upwards of forty three, forty four, forty five. You d- you don't want to get yourself in that boat with Lamar. So are you of the mindset to wait or try to pay him now for value? No, I'm in the mindset of wait. I think Baltimore has to figure out, uh, see another year of growth out of him. Yes, I get he was reigning MVP and all that. But <laughs> I know. Is, but what we saw, the difference between you know Allen and Lamar in that game was Allen was able to stick into that pocket and throw the ball. Mm-hmm. And we see that with all the quarterbacks that are left. They're, they're pocket passers. They can throw the ball. Yes, Allen can scramble, but he didn't have to scramble, and he only really did it when he needed to. Lamar, his game almost has to run off of that scramble. And, you know, we saw it in the Tennessee game. When he started to scramble, he was scrambling for 30, 40 yards, and that was their offense for the most part. You know, he wasn't able to sling the ball into a tight window and, and move the ball that way. Um, and we saw it again against Buffalo. 
he, he ended up having to scramble some. It, it hurt the Bills in some instances where he was able to get out large chunks, but the Bills sort of knew, all right, yeah. we're just going to let him throw the ball, even if it's low for three or four yards, because we know he's not going to be able to throw it down the field accurately and or into tight windows. So the Bills defense sort of did a really good job of that and forcing him to have to, you know, go the route that he's not the most comfortable with. So I'm of the mindset that the Ravens, they should probably wait, see what they have one more year with him. And then if they have to go the route of, you know, um, what fit, uh, tagging him because it would be his is he going into so the fourth got, year? Four, he's got four plus a fifth year option. Then the right okay. the tag would be available. So so right. so, so, so Scott, they, let, they let, let me mention this to you because I think what you're saying is this, and I completely agree. It's not so much his arm. In fact, it's not his arm. I think he's got a hell of an arm, and we saw that at Louisville as well. He can get the ball downfield accurately. It's his pocket presence. He. Yeah. He gets sacked way too much for a guy that can run a 4-2 or whatever the hell he runs. He sh- that guy should never be sacked. He is not aware of what's around him in the pocket as much as a normal above average quarterback should be. There's no chance the Bills should be able to rush for and get to him. And they were they were doing that. And then what did Brian what what did Leslie Frazier do for the nail in the coffin? He sent cornerbacks and safeties off the edge. Nope. And that's not rocket science. When you could stabilize a rush with four and then bring one other guy off the edge and completely fluster Lamar Jackson, not only can you can he not move now, but he's not comfortable making that pass in that pocket with with pressure. And that's where I don't think he's worth the price tag right now. And Scott, I'm gonna go one step further and give a hot take on a Monday morning. This is the quarterback you never pay. We've had this discussion before. Yep. Right, we we yeah, actually had yeah. this discussion with Goff. I thought it was going to be Goff and and McVeigh because McVeigh was get was that wonder child, you know, and he was going to be the modern voice to say, I can just keep flipping these guys out. I'm I'm never going to have to go 150 million on a quarterback because I can go 45 on a rookie contract and flip it out and do it again in four years. I I think that's exactly what Lamar Jackson is. I think, and if you want to go six, if you want to franchise tag him because he's still, you know, winning a lot of regular season games and getting you to where you need to be, fine. But this might be the perfect example of we're never going to pay this guy. And he's just going to go off. And, you know, quite frankly, Scott, we might have already seen that in Jameis. That Jameis might be the first example of this. Because he yeah. might make a comeback yeah, here. Right. Jameis might be a starting right. quarterback next year on a non-gigantic contract. You know, he might be getting himself incentivating contracts from here out. So uh, maybe I got to give the Saints more credit here, or, or or the Bucks, I guess, to some degree. That's funny. It's those two teams. But you know, if Jameis does get that job next year, which I don't know, I guess we'll talk about it. But uh, maybe that's Lamar's future, where. You know, Lamar's got excitement. He's got he's shown flashes of greatness, obviously with an MVP. But this type of quarterback specifically, you just don't do it. You don't put your a four year window of your franchise in jeopardy financially by by recklessly locking in multi year guarantees. So I'm going to say that right now. And I'm not trying to be overreactive Monday here, uh, but we've got two seasons of this now where Lamar has let that team down in the postseason. There's no question. He, He was a problem in that Bills game. And uh, I think a more polished pocket passer gives the Bills a ton of trouble because the Bills were not ready to 
to win that game. I mean, Lamar, Josh Allen's deep balls were eight yards off. It was kind of the Josh Allen of old there for a yep. lot of it. And, uh, you know, the Bills kind of stole that one literally out of the end zone. So that's my take on the Ravens. I, I do think there are some pieces that should be coming back. Uh, you know, the list of free agents is, is big. Like I said, I don't know what happens with Matt Judon and, and those kind of players, but you know, Mark Ingram's for sure off that roster. That, that's a cap casualty. I would imagine Brandon Williams, the defensive tackle who's been there for a long, long time. You know, there's a lot of money to be saved there as well. So probably a few casualties, probably a few re-signs. It, here's a name for you. Cause I know you liked him from a fantasy perspective. Mark Andrews will be entering a contract year. You know, maybe the fourth best tight end in football when you're talking Kelsey, Kittle, Waller, and then probably Andrews is four. But for me, Scott, the the gap between one, two, and then three is fairly big. And then from three to four, I think from Darren Waller to Mark Andrews, that gap has widened this year. Darren Waller's a stud, and he's making seven million a year for that Rangers team. It's an absolute steal. Um, I, I don't know what you do there. I don't know what you do there. I, do you let that one ride out? Or is that one of those early contracts you make and just hope it works out? Because he has shown, you know, he's had great seasons. He did not have a he great has. season this year. Whether that's a Lamar Jackson chemistry issue or a scheme change where they've gone more to the run because of the running backs they've had. But that one's kind of low hanging fruit for me. I'm not sure what they do with that one. My, my, my guesstimation is that they let him finish that contract and see where they are a year from now. But, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a heck of a player. So those guys generally get paid. What are your thoughts there? Yeah, I, that may be a case of waiting as well. Um, you know, the benefit of the NFL is they can, they can play these guys through the next season. As soon as the season is over, they can extend them before the league yeah, year it's happens. It's not like so basketball, right? It's not like <laughs> basketball where you can, there's only a handful of guys that you could extend during the, you know, during the season or off season based on certain criteria. NFL, you, you have, wouldn't it be more fun if we could talk about a Mark Andrews sign and trade though? It would, <laughs> right? <laughs> it, it would, it would make things a lot, very interesting. Not even just him, but a, a lot of other players, you know. And we've talked about that with not not enough trades or teams taking chances on trades with players. But in this case, I think, you know, he he did have a down year, but the Ravens have time on their side to say, all right, let's see yeah. what we have going into that fourth year. And then if they want to extend them mid season or once the season is over, you know, they can do so and they don't have to let them walk. Um, but it is hard to come by the tight ends. Like you said, the gap is so large yeah. with tight ends that when you find one, you have to lock them up and have them on your team. And and they, for the most part, I mean, they use him as like a, a wide receiver as it is. You know, he, he's usually the go-to. Lamar love, loves to throw the ball to him. He's got those touchdowns. And um, but I think the waiting game is the is the way to go, at least with the situation that the Ravens are going to be Might in. be the, uh, the theme for the Ravens as a whole this offseason. Wait and see. Yeah. Wait right. and see for the Ravens. Well, and they, well, and the other thing is, you know, with a down cap year, we, we don't know if it's going to really be at the 175 or it's going to be higher. So if you can wait to at least see what that revenue stream is going to be yeah. and then hopes that 
also wait and see what happens year, to Pittsburgh. That too. that's not for nothing. I mean, if Pittsburgh decides to rip it all off, then you got a pretty easy path to second place in that division, you know, or or at least competing with Cleveland for that division. So yeah, I I do think you're right. Financially, wait and see. Divisionally, wait and see. And then just from a business standpoint, you know, I I think it'd be reckless to pay Lamar. But you know what? We were dead wrong on James Harden. We were dead wrong on a lot of things. So fully expect the Lamar Jackson contract in about Mm -hmm. six weeks here. Let's move on quickly to the Browns, the aforementioned Browns here. They got hosed. I'm not a uh, kill the refs guy at all because I, I sympathize generally with all sports that it's a tough job. They got freaking hosed. I saw that helmet to helmet in real time. Yes. Then I watched it for four minutes before the announcers actually got around to fact to say, hey, that might have been a penalty. I understand the referee's job there is to watch the goal line and see if they break the, break the plane and to watch where the ball lands and all that stuff. There's no way that that guy sitting six inches away from that play didn't hear the helmet to helmet. Like, how do you not audibly hear that penalty happen? It was targeting, first of all, not just the helmet to helmet. That is targeting. That is lowering your helmet to deliver a blow. It is the textbook of what they're trying to get out of the league. It's a great play to stop the touchdown. I'm not taking away the play. It's just illegal in the current rule set. It's, It's flat out illegal. They got hosed. I, I didn't want that to be the the uh, the deciding factor of that game. Of course, it was. That would have put them over the top. Um, and it would have changed the momentum of the game as well. So a lot of things to, to talk about there. But that is that is the only takeaway I can have from the actual game itself. You know, the Mahomes hit was... I don't know about you, but like I've seen a bunch of those now, of course, about watching this game for the past couple of decades. Some just rubbed me the wrong way about that one. Number one, it... it there was no visual cue that he was, concu- you know what I mean? Until he stood up, the hit the, the hit that he took or the way he hit the ground or whatever it was, it didn't indicate that he was going to be concussed. Yeah. Um, I almost wonder if the ball didn't jar his jaw because a lot of times you get hit underneath that jaw. That's a real easy way to, to get woozy. So I wonder if that was the case. It's weird that we're hearing nothing about it except for the fact that now it's a dirty MMA hit and it was actually a chokehold. Have you seen this? There's reports no, that Mac that. Wilson, no. the Browns player, actually gave him like a chokehold and a sleep a sleeper hold, and, mm. and kind of put him out. Uh, that's beyond my pay grade. So if that happened, I, I guess good for him. That's a hell of a move in midstream <laughs> trying to tackle a guy. I guess I don't know. Um, anyway, he's out. Henny's in. They pull it off. Some incredible play calling. Eric Bieniemy, don't go anywhere. No, that that's my other takeaway from this game. <laughs> Just don't go anywhere. Get yourself Same a couple million more. Ride this team out. There, there's no team out there that's going to have this weapon set for the next three years. It's just not yeah. possible. It's not possible. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Him and Dable. Stay where you're at. Stay where you're, you're at. doing. Right. Um, if the only available I, job is Houston, <laughs> uh, I'm good. <laughs> well, I, I think going back to your your initial take here with that targeting, you know, that it's almost a reason why, and I don't know if it would absolutely make a difference but going back to the AAF you know they had that sky judge if there's a judge that is not not on the field that can at least trigger or say buzz down to the main rep and say hey we this is a penalty we're throwing a flag from up in the sky booth instead of throwing a flag on the field you at least have a, a, a set of eyes from a different angle you're watching on the tv like everybody else and I 
I know the conspiracies are probably going to be out there that they wanted the Chiefs, they didn't want the Browns, and yada yada yada. But you know that was a a a penalty that should have been called. And I, if I remember correctly, I believe the uh, you know the the commentators and then when they had the, oh, yeah. the former referee on there saying that that is not a, a slam dunk a, a flag a flaggable offense as far as you know throwing the red flag to to review that. Well, come on. How is that not right. reviewable? That Th- three be reviewable. quick points on this because you're bringing them all up. So now I got to go down this road. Number one, do you like the fact that if the ball gets fumbled out of the end zone, that it's a touchback, that it's a change of possession and a touchback? I don't know. Why can't it just be a f- offensive team's ball at the spot of the fumble? If we're going to review everything, they could review yeah. that. Put the ball where the where the fumble occurred and go from there. Why does it immediately have to be now? Somebody throws the ball out of the back of the end zone, an intentional fumble. I understand it's objective, different story. But I, why is it a slam dunk that you just lose possession? Yeah, that's crazy. Number two, I watch a ton of soccer. I think you watch a ton of soccer too. These referees have it tough. They're running all over the field for you know 90 plus minutes. When a call is questionable, their watch buzzes, their headpiece <laughs> starts talking to them, and somebody from you know a, a media room immediately evaluates and then and then communicates back to him or her, and the play goes on. Would you rather have commentators and retired referees in a booth? giving us replays seven times and telling us their correct opinions about a call? Or would you rather, after a play, maybe this happens 10 times a game, and that's probably a high average. 10 times a game, all of the referees on the field get together, huddle. There's communication to a sky judge or to a media judge in, in, in New York. It's a 25-second conversation. They, they reconvene. We hear a, an official call, and that happens. That's the review. <laughs> like, that's it. I, I don't need the on-field judge going to a TV screen because we've got TV screens somewhere else and we've got cell phones, <laughs> okay, <laughs> and, and com- ways to communicate to people on the field. This is not 1984, all right? It's ridiculous how antiquated this process is. And I'm going to tell you what it is, and you already know what the answer is. They purposely want to drag this shit out for commercials. They, wanna- they added two more commercial breaks this week, by the way. It got approved as like an amendment to the league so that they could make a little bit more money this week. So if you thought this game was a little long, these games went a little longer and you were a little bit more annoyed by the commercial breaks, you were, you're right. There were two more this week. They are dying for breaks. They are dying for quarterback timeouts in the first quarter so they can throw us to a commercial four minutes into the game. It sucks for the fan. It's terrible. And it sucks for the Browns too, of course. But it's just wrong. The, the process is wrong. This should be there. There are what six referees in the field, what whatever there are. There's enough for them to get together occasionally, and and bounce the play off each other and say, "Hey, what'd you see? What'd you see? What'd you see?" Guy in the earpiece, what'd you see? What are you seeing on the screen? What should we do here? We got to get this right. Thirty seconds max it would take. Thirty seconds wouldn't need a commercial break. Wouldn't need Tony Romo giving his 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 correct take or you know the ex referees who are wrong a lot. I get it, but it's just such a big ado right now. And it's all for the freaking commercial money. 
That's what it is. Let's not be fooled here. It's not about getting the call right. It's about, well, there's controversy. Let's let Twitter talk about it while we go to this break. It sucks, man. It sucks. It it does. And, and, you know, I sort of pump my brakes on the sky judge because, you know, in my mind, I think it would be a great idea to have in, in the stadium, not having a call to New York, the, the guys in the stadium watching the game, yeah. you know, ha- having a feel for it. But it's all the time. The New York only happens when they want to do a certain review or they got to go and check something, you know, in the last two minutes and they got to go to New York to review that. No, there there should be a guy in the stadium that is considered part of the referee crew that gets access to the pylon, to the every camera. They get every camera. It's not just one guy going under the hood and listening to New York, looking at all these different things. Now, I go back to that one uh where the knee was down, I think it was, what was it? The bills game um, where the knee was down and yeah. you know, they, it, the rep, the, the former referee on the call of the commentators, he said it was a knee down. It wasn't a fumble or whatever it was. The, everyone on the, in the booth said it was a f- knee down. Mm-hmm. It, they, they were a thousand times adamant that this was going to be knee down, and it wasn't. Somehow, miraculously, out of all the camera views, they said that he, he wasn't down. You know, yeah. But in, in those reviews, they have to go to New York. I think if more consistently you had a different view, all but, these refs that but, are on the But they only go to New York, Scott, for the delay. My point is New York should be coming to them. New York should be in their ears immediately. So it's it's bridging the conversation of the sky judge versus the replay. The world doesn't need to see the replay for four minutes after a commercial break. We just need referees that come together, talk, talk to the people in the media room, make an immediate call, the right call, most likely get it done, get out. We need, we need to take the money out of this process. Because the money the, is what's making this process suck. If the, if the sky judge is New York and they have more people allocated to that area and they're watching and they're the one buzzing, they're down, the one okay, buzzing in. That's correct. That's, that's, that's correct. that is fine. I am I am all for that. And subsequently, you know, you bring up the financials and the ads and at them adding more. Why can't they go to a model of? You know, I, we've seen it in NASCAR. We've seen it in some other sports where they do a side by side, by side. Or a small view. Sure. Just do the small view with a giant ad that runs and they've muted the, the game while they're under the hood. You still are getting fans that are watching. No, no. The un- under getting- the hood is gone. Under the hood is gone, Scott. We got to take it out of the equation. There's no so need we, for that referee to go to a television screen. Even, we've got other referees even, for that. <laughs> Even if they're convening and they're doing camera shots of sidelines or whatever they're going to do, you know, have the big screen of the ad still running yeah. and not have to go to a complete timeout because it, it should it, it should be a 30 second. Yeah. Here's your ad. We're back. Let's go move forward. Um, it's got to get changed. But Whole the process, process has to change. Yep, and, and that's my long changed. way of getting to the, to the fact that in that instance, then everything would be reviewable. If, if yeah. you're if you're lower, if you're diminishing the length of the review process, right? And it's no longer going to a full commercial break where that the on-field referee has to go under a hood and watch the TV screen because TV is better than the actual game. <laughs> if we're taking that part out of it and it's a buzz down from the tower 
with, hey, this is what we're seeing. Let's all get together and talk about it as a group. Everybody can hear the, the, this guy judge. There's a side-by-side 30-second commercial happening while we see the, the referees convening in the center of the field, right? Everything's reviewable then. That hit that helmet to helmet then it becomes a 30-second you know, consult with help from the, from the earpiece. We get back, whether they get it right or not, we're back in 35 seconds with some kind of call, not just an invisible, it didn't happen. You, you know, we can't, they can't, there's not even an acknowledgement of it except for Tony Romo or, or whoever it was, Buck and Aikman. Um, no, Romo. Um, we just have to pretend like it didn't, it, it becomes our argument and not the referee's argument. That's, that's ridiculous. Yeah, it's not yeah. our mistake. <laughs> and and, and it, it, there, there's no reason that those people aren't able to, you know, rewind quickly. You know, last week when it's there's it's somebody's job, their, it's the sky judge's job to be doing this. ESPN, ESPN had their mega cast last week and I, I flipped on the, their film room mega cast thinking it was the odds mega cast. Well, that <laughs> film room mega cast, the play wasn't even done. The guy right. hadn't even had a foot out of bounds and they were hitting rewind, rewind forward, rewind forward, rewind. They were doing it seven times within 10 seconds. They were breaking down tape play. of live game. And I understand and, and, the concept, Scott. It is actually kind of creative. It didn't work. No, you couldn't I'm not watch going, the game. I, and that's not where I'm going. I'm not saying that we should have that as part of a telecast or anything. I'm saying the fact that those four ESPN guys oh. are doing that in real time. Good point. And watching it and re, they're, they're hitting rewind before the play's even over. So you can technically go back to that, that play before, you know, if it's a fumble or an interception point. or whatever the, the review should be, they're already rewinding that play before it's even over. So they can be buzzing. You're right. Their referees. But as the somebody's is job is to watch ended. the offensive line for holding the second they see yes. it, they pause and they go back yes. and they check three times. Yeah, you're right. This, that's what I mean. It's not 1984. <laughs> you know, there, there could literally be a sky judge whose only job is to watch for holding a sky judge whose only job is to watch for offsides. Yes, the, this stuff. Yeah, I think the league can afford it, right? They can afford a couple of more employment. options. <laughs> well, and, and here's the last thing I'll say. I, I've never understood why. Every, everything is reviewable only in the last two minutes yeah. as if a game is decided. Most games are decided in the last two minutes, but there are games that are decided. Not yesterday. The game, not yesterday. Mm-hmm. You know, those, you know, that is, you know, it's BS that the two minutes are the only time that things are reviewable. And no, it, it should be any time during a game that could swing the percentage of that team winning from one way to the other, because not only are teams on the line and, and, and oh, players, you're that taking my point away. Integrity of the game, Scott. Yes, sir. It's about gambling. The, now gambling. it's about gambling. That's, now yep. you can't, you can't yep. bitch about Doug Peterson and not bitch about yesterday. Yes. It's the same conversation with two different functionalities and they both can yep. be fixed. And yet, and yesterday's easier to fix. We just did it over a cup of coffee. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yesterday's easier to fix than, than the tanking situation. Although you can change the draft order po- process there too. That's possible. <laughs> there are ways around all of this, but it's all about the focal point of the integrity of the game for gambling purposes. You can't be in bed with the casino and also be ripping the sheets off every now and then. Can't do it. You can't do it. So you're right. That's, that's the focal point here. Is It's not about... you know how bad it is to watch the game or how bad it is to be at the game or that stuff matters, of course, to the fan p- p- process. 
but you've got a lot of big dollars now coming at these games from, from a gambling standpoint, from a casino standpoint. And you can't have the, that yesterday. There had to be so much money on that Browns game yesterday. So much. I don't have the numbers in front of me. But that that mattered to a lot of things. The money line specifically, but there was a you know, if you tease down to, to to six or whatever it was, there were there were a lot, a lot of movement uh that 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 single play impacted, and it's pretty easily overturned when if looked at properly, if consulted properly, and it wouldn't have taken three minutes. That's all. Yeah. All right, we got yeah. way off track here. <laughs> um, let's get Saints. to the Saints. Yeah, let's do it. That's probably a good place to stop, honestly. Um, Drew Brees, there's no question he's done. Uh, I don't know if you've seen this morning yet the video of him and Brady on the field after after the game. Pretty freaking yeah, awesome. Brady, Brady throwing the football to his kids. kids. That's pretty freaking yeah. awesome. Um, it is. Just a lot of respect there impossible not to, <laughs> uh, the, the career that he had, where he started to where he finished, just incredible. You know, the career earnings obviously are outstanding 270 million ish in 21 seasons, uh, or 20 seasons, actually, you know, this guy was a cast off in San Diego, too small, too injured, didn't have the pedigree for it. You know, similar to the conversation we're kind of having with Lamar here, uh, and a different, a different scope, but to, to, to get where he has gotten to carry a city, to carry a franchise the way he has, it's incredible. And here's the downside because <laughs> of that, because of that saints restructure process and push it down the line, push it down the line. Well, guess what? We are at the line. We are at the finish line for a lot of these cap situations. And Drew Brees is going to leave 22 million plus behind him into retirement in terms of dead cap. So yes, it's going to save about 10, 11 million because of what he was due to make in terms of cash in 2021. And uh, by the way, nothing obviously official with his retirement, but it's 99% expected. So there's a lot of dead cap to be sitting here and they don't have another quarterback under contract. I'm assuming Taysom Hill is, am I wrong in assuming that Taysom Hill is not going to be the quarterback next year? Does it seem more likely that Jameis is the quarterback? I, I think it's probably a coin toss at this point. You think they're going to do uh, uh, a similar situation where Jameis is the uh, prominent starter, but Taysom gets his snaps, similar to what they did this year? I I would think so. You know, I think Jameis, you know, he had that one pass yesterday yeah. and it was dead on. Yeah. So I, I think they have to take a chance with that. The fact that, you know, he can sling the ball. He can throw the touchdowns. He just needs to worry about the the interceptions, yeah. and that's been his issue for the last few years. Uh, we just talked about you need to have a quarterback with a pocket presence, and oh yeah, Jameis Jameis is your pocket presence. I think he's more than good enough. Well, don't you think? He, he I mean, move. he's got the skill yeah, set to do it. So if Sean Payton can reel him in, which that's probably what this entire year has been about, then that's why I'm kind of trending in that direction. I just assume he's been groomed for this role. Is that silly? I, I've been wrong about no. Taysom Hill so much here. I guess I, I'm, I'm questioning myself, <laughs> but I just well, I, I, I look at Jameis's skill set and I think, why wouldn't that guy get another shot? Yeah, and we're we're not in the facility and seeing him in practice, so there may be something that yeah. that Peyton doesn't like. But with the weapons that are around Jameis, you know, he had him in Tampa Bay too, but it's a completely different system. It's a you know, 
I would I would love to see him have that chance just for validity purposes of can he really play under this kind of a system? If not, move on and go somewhere else and yeah. or you're out of the league. But I think he he at least is due the chance to prove himself. Now, whether it's the Saints or not, I mean, he he's a free agent, so he may go somewhere else and command some other money and be backup or a starter. Um, that's up for him and his agent to figure out. But, you know, if, if the Saints want him back, you know, why not? You were under that system for a whole year. You learned sort of a la Mahomish, you know, with a, being a player that has had the experience that he has had. Um, I just can't imagine because they can't, th- this team really can't. I mean, the cap is a mess. I had a whole show about it with Catherine Carroll, but the, the only way to fix the cap truly Scott is to rip it all down. I, I mean, mm-hmm. every major piece essentially has to come off in order to fix it properly and get themselves an actual standing. That just doesn't seem likely. And why would they do that? So they're going to band-aid this thing again. They're going to, they're going to cut a couple of players. They're going to restructure the hell out of this roster again. And they're going to get themselves cap cap safe for 2021 and just go forward. So in that mindset, it doesn't make any sense to bring in somebody completely fresh, like a staff or, you know, somebody from, from the streets that has to learn this system with this current core already here. If Jameis has been in the room or Taysom has been in the room for the past 18 months or plus for Taysom, that, that's just a no-brainer. I don't even care which one of those two gets the job. Now, you got to re-sign Jameis. So that's interesting because, again, they're not going to have space, which is leverage. <laughs> you know, if you're Mickey Loomis, hey, man, you're probably going to be our week one starter, but we can only give you $4 million with some incentives. You know, the Tannehill contract. That's probably coming, if I had to guess, or something in the Cam Newton contract. You know, it's going to be a little bit above the minimum, but, you know, we'll load you up with snap percentage incentives and touchdown incentives and lack of interception incentives, whatever the heck they have to do with him. Um, certainly playoff incentives. That's probably coming because of the cap situation. They have a little bit of, of leverage on their side to be able to say to Jameis, you're our guy. Oh, we just can't afford to go big. It's a little Patriots esque, but that that's probably coming. You, you make an interesting point there with give them a four million plus a lot of incentives. What happens? Oh, that's going to be if, a thing, by the way, across well, the league. <laughs> well, well, here's I'm here's where I'm going with more so with the Saints because right now they're like almost a hundred million under the hole here yeah. in, in cap. If if they go the route of we're going to give you this salary and then these incentives and he meets those incentives, but it makes the, the incentives make them go over the cap. Nope. It pushes the 2022. Anything oh, okay. not likely to be earned pushes the 2022. So guess what, Scott? Guess why Taysom Hill got the starts a couple of weeks ago? To push? So that Jameis, so that Jameis didn't get snaps this year that would make <laughs> those incentives likely be earned next year. It's not, Uh, it's not rocket science. Okay. I knew it right away that that's why they're sitting him. Number one, injury purposes. Number two, they got to make sure that he has nothing on his resume right now. So that that, that way they load up incentives on this contract for him. None of it hits the cap. It's all got to be pushed to 2022 in terms of that. So So that's what I mean. It's going to be crazy incentive laden and it's probably going to be minimum of two and a half to four. 
uh, on a base schedule because they just can't afford to do much more. Taysom's going to cost them a lot. They're going to have to restructure Taysom just to keep him on the roster. <laughs> but it, but if those, you know, Jamison only had a one year deal. So if he made those incentives, how, is there like dead cap that would go? Yeah, adjustments likely to be. Yeah, towards next year. Yeah, you get oh, adjusted. You have to take it on next year. Um, it's not like hockey or, or, or basketball where it hits currently, and you've got to be able to account for it in the current season. Football right. pushes it down the line if it's not likely to be earned. So you can. It's a loophole that a lot of smart teams have been using, and uh, you know that's why you see certain players sit certain weeks and things like that. Or you know, if guys are a couple of catches away, you know, it depends on who it is. But it, there's a lot of that to, because it's not just about the current financial landscape; it's about next year and how you can manage your cap properly. The the Patriots, as you might expect, have been brilliant with this. And I think this is right along the lines of that. I think what the Saints did this year with Jameis is on purpose. They knew they could they could get enough production out of Taysom, who was already under contract for next year. And if they could keep Jameis's production and snap count low, then they can be smart with his money again this next year. So I expect that to happen. I don't know why it wouldn't. Real quick on the Saints, that you're going to hear rumors about Michael Thomas. Because he had a crappy 2020, full of injuries. He didn't get the targets. He didn't make the catches. I mean, he had, this is a 120 catch guy for, you know, for a, a couple of seasons here who was just a shell of himself this year. He's got 20 million of bonus dead cap on that contract for next year. Bonus dead cap, which means stays with the Saints even if he's traded. I, I can't see it happening. Even if it's a post 6-1. I, I don't know why you do that to yourself. With everything else we're talking about, with the Breeze dead cap, with the with the mess that you you mentioned, the hundred million ish in trouble, why would you throw that onto the fire when you just don't have to? He's got three million guaranteed right now for next year. You know, another ten million is going to lock in March nineteenth. You just keep him. He's only making twelve point eight million cash next year. You keep him on the roster. You hope he and Jamie's can figure out some chemistry. And he kind of returns the form. And if not, 2022 is, is when you can trade him. The dead cap drops down to the you know a little bit more tenable, 14 million. You could split that over two years if you have to. Uh, I just don't see it. The the contract uh, guy in me looks at looks at this and says it's it's one year too early to consider moving on from him. And oh by the way, he's only 27. So I I, I just give that one more chance to breathe. And hope he and James can figure it out. So just to get that out there, you're going to start hearing well, that, though. That's going to be a hot name. It, yeah, and I, I agree. Pump the brakes on on that. Hold on a year because think about think about the quarterbacks that when he was in there, you know, it was it was a revolving door. You know, Breeze yeah. was there, then he got injured and was out for a few weeks. Then you had Taysom Hill doing some things. You had Jameis in there, uh, you know, and, and he had injuries. You need to let it. You need to let it. You know, percolate and just a down year. Let's just call it a yep. down year. You know, I, I think yeah. that's what we have to do. And it ha- yeah, and it happens with all athletes. You know, it, it happens. So yeah. you know, I, I think the, the, the weapon LeBron, that he but. is, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the the weapon that he is, pump the brakes on those trade talks. Okay, you have anything on the Rams? Speaking of players who can't get cut or traded. Jared Goff is not going anywhere, people. I'm just going to say that again. I, I tweeted it yesterday. I've tweeted it before. It's an unbelievable early guarantee contract. It's it's Mahomes-esque on a smaller smaller landscape. He is fully locked in through 2022. The dead cap is like 65 million. And also, he was pretty good <laughs> this weekend with a broken thumb or whatever the heck he has. So uh, he's not going anywhere. Uh, and honestly, that team's in pretty good shape now. The, the, the core is there. Cam Akers is a stud. 
you know, maybe they need a wide receiver, maybe, maybe a tight end. Maybe that's a Zach Ertz landing spot, by the way, another name that's going to be out there. The defense is great and they'll work to keep a couple of those players on the roster. They're going to have to pay the safety, probably top money. He's been outstanding. Uh, I think it's Josh Johnson. Is that his name? Johnson? I forget. Uh, he's been outstanding though, whoever he is. <laughs> uh, I, I don't have much to say. It's similar to the Ravens. I think it's a wait and see year. They're they're pretty much kind of pot pot in in terms of uh, the big core and the rest of the roster is rookie, rookie driven. Just kind of roll it over and see what you have next year. That's a weird division anyway. I, and I just think you're going to be contenders just kind of going as you are now. Like I said, maybe a couple small pieces here and there, but I don't have too much more to say on that. I imagine you don't either. No, the, the, the only small thing I'll say is they're going to have to make some moves because they're you know projected with what we've got at the 175 at 20 uh, there's, million over. There's a couple of big restructures they can do there. They'll be okay. Okay. Yeah, they'll okay. be they'll be okay. There's just some creative cap work, and they'll be right out of it. But like I said, they're gonna they're gonna be just fine with the core they have already intact. I mean, Jalen Ramsey can be restructured, and that'll save a whole ton off the top. So just to give you a heads up there. Okay, here's how we want to finish. Um, mm-hmm. We'll come back on Thursday and do our weekend picks. But quickly, give me some updates on Harden's first uh, Harden's first appearance in Brooklyn. Yeah, <laughs> I, I hear it went well. <laughs> Just, just a tad. Uh, tri- triple double to start with KD at what forty two? I think he ended up with. So, but here's what I'll say: pump the brakes because they played a yeah. six and six Orlando team who is riddled with injuries. You got two guys who are season ending injuries. You have a handful of guys that are haven't been playing because of other injuries. Okay, um, but it's a good so, day to be talking about this. I think I know where you're yes, going. <laughs> I am. Because today, it, 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 the primetime game is against Milwaukee and Giannis. So will so they have today, Kyrie for that, Scott? Because I, I only want to see this game if, Ky, if all three of those guys are there. I truly mean that. As of last night, it was questionable that he would be returning. Are they going to drop so, him into the arena like Roger Clemens on the pitching mound? Is it going to be like a triumphant <laughs> return to the court? What a weird freaking story. But I it is. I don't want to see this game unless everybody's here to, here to play. Yeah. yeah I, I think probably, you know, we just talked about the NFL and ads and, and you know, <laughs> the NBA is probably trying to do everything in their power to get Irving playing so that mm-hmm. on this you know, it's a triple header on TNT today. They're the middle game. They want that to be there. And Scott, how have the Bucks been? Just, I mean, is this a worthy matchup right now? Yeah, I think they've they've been the Bucks for the most part. Okay. I haven't caught I haven't caught a, a ton of games, but okay. I think that they've they've held their own. Um, I'm pulling up the standings right now just to refresh myself. They're at nine and four, so they're at the top. They have not been. Uh, riddled with injuries. They have not had to have a lot of guys in health protocols. Okay. So that has helped them. The teams that you have seen in having injuries in health protocols, you know, that you've seen them struggle and lose games that they probably would have won uh, otherwise, a la Miami Heat. You know, they are, they have had so many injuries and, and health protocols where they've, they've lost games that they shouldn't have. Um, but I'm glad you brought that I up, think, Scott, real quick, because I, I think I did read last week that they're considering expanding these rosters some more. Do you have any thoughts on yeah. that? Um, 
they they have been in conversation with the PA. What it sounds like is they would just add another two-way spot. So, you know, it, it would be a player that would be signed that uh, would not count against the cap or the luxury tax, but they would only be allowed to sign the guy, a guy that has like three years or less experience to that two-way. So there are stipulations to players that teams could target to those two ways. Um, other teams have had, there, there's what's called the hardship exception, which um, allows a team to sign a player to this hardship that allows them to go over the active roster limit. But the only stipulation with that is they have to have um, uh, a certain amount of guys that are injured for an extended amount of time. So if off the top of my head, I think it's like four players that have been injured for at least three or four games consecutively. Does COVID all, count as injured in this case? No, it does not. Okay. The health, health protocols do not count. Only actual physical injuries would count. So that's why we're seeing, you know, a lot of these games are being postponed even two or three days in advance because of the health protocols. Uh, this morning I read with Washington, they still, even with all the contract chase contract, tracing that they have going on, they still have not been able to pinpoint where the flare up has come from in Washington. They have, they have six guys that are in health protocols right now. And they've had multiple games because there's been this flare up of having COVID on that team. And, you know, it is a delicate balancing act, but if you look at you know, the teams at the top, you got Milwaukee at nine and four, you've got the Lakers at 11, three, you've got the Clippers at 10 and four. Those are teams that a have not had the injuries and B have not had the health protocols. Plenty of time to go. It's been a weird season. Well, and, and the last thing I'll say is this, and I think I said it last time, but I'll bring it up again. This is the exact reason why the NBA only released half of a schedule. Yeah. So that when they do get to that point, all these postponed games are going to get pushed back into that reshuffle of the second half. So they can massage their schedule as they want to in the second half. It's not like Major League Baseball right now that already has their entire schedule mapped out for the entire year. And they're going to have to fit in these games in a doubleheader or wherever they're going to have to massage them in there. They have the flexibility to massage their second half of their schedule. And they're pushing through this, A, because they know they need the revenue. They know they need the money, the TV ads, the, the, the contractual aspects with the TV. They want to push through as much as possible because they know if they, they have to take a one or two week, and, and this is me being um, um, you know, speculative, speculative yeah. uh, off of this, but if they have to pause for a week or two, that's going to be hard to have to restart because you're going to have guys that are going to disperse or be wherever. <laughs> and then they're going to have to come back in into their quarantining for X amount of days and then restart. So they don't want to have to go through a restart where it's going to take two, three, maybe four weeks to have to really ramp up. So they're pushing through all of this, whether teams are able to put a full 
competitive roster on. At this point, some of those teams, it's not about being competitive. It's about having those television dollars, those ad dollars, people paying to watch the league pass for whoever is doing that right now. You know, it's all about get squeezing every penny out of the pig as possible. Money is the answer to all problems, Scott. All right. My thanks to The Athletic. Visit theathletic.com slash SpotTrack, S-P-O-T-R-A-C, for 40% off your 2021 subscription. Check out olbg.com, the online betting guide. Become more educated on the betting process while entering free contests and winning cash prizes. For Scott Allen, my name is Mike Giannetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Track Podcast.